November is the last focused month before the holidays kick in. People are often head down, trying to hit targets or to finish projects. This makes it a great time to show your team some gratitude. At Rebel, we talk a lot about building authentic cultures and showing gratitude is the key. You can feel it when you're in a workplace that values gratitude and appreciation because the vibe is tangible. And when it's missing, it's equally evident. At Rebel, showing gratitude and appreciation is something that we've seen trickle through our business in ways we never would have imagined. It's worked its way through the organization right up to the customer and from there to our bottom line. Its impact should not be ignored. You can show gratitude in big ways and small ways. In the past, we've opened up a tab at a coffee shop near our office so staff can enjoy a latte or a treat for their hard work. Sometimes showing gratitude is as simple as taking the time to genuinely thank people, to let them know you recognize how their contribution made a difference. That's what building an authentic and awesome culture is all about. Until next month, this has been Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, the CEO at coachingbyrockstars.com. Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. On the show, we will fill you in on the trends, opportunities, and possibilities of your next steps as an entrepreneur. And we're going to have amazing conversations on advancing entrepreneurial success and growth in Canada. If you're a regular Startup Canada podcast listener, Welcome back and thanks to any of our new listeners. Remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast on the iTunes stores and then visit startupcan.ca to become a member of Startup Canada and get access to mentors, resources, support and opportunities to start and grow your business. And away we go, ladies and gentlemen of Startup Canada land. Wow, you are in for a treat today because we have not one, but two, as I call them, rock stars, Elizabeth Connell and Paul Whitney. They're the directors of African Bronze Honey, a for-profit social enterprise. Notice I say for-profit. I love that. Dedicated to marking organic African honey and honey products from 
6,000 artisanal beekeepers in Africa. I hope I got that pronunciation right. In today's interview, Paul and Liz are going to share their story behind African bronze honey, what it means to start a social enterprise, and how they have effectively built retail partnerships and online distribution channels to grow their impact and their revenue. Liz and Paul share their advice for entrepreneurs who want to start a business later in life and how to incorporate empowerment into your company's manifesto. Liz is a responsive and dynamic project manager, designer, communicator, team leader, and team player with extensive experience in project management, graphic design, exhibit design, writing, and editing. She has worked in Canada, Africa, and the Caribbean on projects for government and the private sector, the arts, education, and heritage sectors, interpretive centers and museums, and the voluntary sector. I know now why Paul is hanging out with her. Our man Paul, who likes to be called Paul, is also known as the King Bee, or the man with the mustache. And I have met Paul personally, and indeed, he's got a great mustache. He's a serial entrepreneur and creator of many unusual businesses, including the Comedy Commission, a comedy troupe that entertained conferences in Western Canada for a debt decade continue fix a patented technology for photo fixer recycling that operated successfully in zimbabwe for almost 20 years oceanarium a seafood supply company in a landlocked country and the storm alliance which provided protection against damage from hurricanes throughout the caribbean and northeastern states paul is also an actor and a writer he's been in more than 30 movies wrote a regular humor column for the edmonton sun has written four screenplays, and is working on a documentary film about his father, big band leader Moxie Whitney. He also loves boats, and he's going to hope to get his latest one in the water sometime next year. That's the journey of the entrepreneur for sure. Welcome to the show, Liz and Paul. The only way we're going to get the boat in the water is you come out and, and help paint rivers. We, we really need a little help on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I always, before, before I ever, uh, when, when I hear my friends are looking for help, I make sure before I tell them anything else, I say, well, what date do you need that help on? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. good. It's good. Then yeah. you could be out of town appropriately. Just, so. yeah, it's always a coincidence. I'm out of yeah. town. Absolutely. It's good. It's good. Planning ahead is good. So, well, yeah. let, let's get into, uh, let's get into your great, great, great endeavor, African bronze honey. And, you know, tell us about it uh, and what makes your honey unique? Because as good entrepreneurs, as great entrepreneurs that you are, uh, you understand you have to, it's not just about honey, it's about having a unique selling proposition associated with it. So over to you two. So our, our honey comes from a forest in the northwest corner of Zambia. And if you think you know honey, you don't, not until you've really tasted tasted this honey. It's dark. It's uh, multifloral. It it comes from uh, more than a thousand different flowering plants and trees, and it's made using. Um, it's harvested using a traditional uh, beehive, so it's it's totally different than any honey that you've ever tasted. I think the big thing is that these these beekeepers they're they're in a forest and in in the largest the last pristine forest in in Africa 
and they are beekeeping like they did a thousand years ago. They make hives uh, out of bark and and hollow logs. It's it's an unbelievable. Like some of the logs are eight feet long. They're huge, and it takes six or eight or ten ten of them to put them up in a tree, and then they wait for wild bees to show up and populate the hive. Those are you know that's where killer bees came from. These are wild African bees. So the honey is it's as Liz was describing. It's it's like no other honey on the planet. It takes a long time to make. It's rich in antioxidants, high in in nutrients. It's raw and pasteurized, and and in Africa, it's known as traditional medicine. Wow. And when and now I'm a brand guy, and with any good brand has a good story wrapped around it. Do you you folks take that story you just told and the uniqueness and the logs and uh, all that kind of stuff and build that into your brand strategy, or you just sell it's the best tasting honey in the world? We tell that story every day, probably right probably on. fifty times a day. <laughs> people people want to connect with their food they they want you know i i it's not that we're we've all become jaded or we we don't trust anything it's just that the reality of the world has made us a little more uh questioning about things so we sit down and tell people the the story and they they're they get excited suddenly about having honey it's something new the fact that they can buy something from people that that are in a in a forest in Africa I think is is really surprising that part is novel and surprising but then they realize how good it is and how nutritious it is and the fact that we reinvest back in more beekeeping and and the beekeepers themselves look after this forest they get really excited about that it's it's something that they feel they can participate in and then they end up taking ownership for the project and you know by making purchases so uh, you know it's one of the things I think that that we've really focused on is it's it's not just about oh we're helping people and helping the planet. It is a reality. The reality of it is that it's a completely fulfilled circle of 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 sustainability, and it it's it's remarkable how simple that it is. It's still a, a purchase transaction and and a, and a sale but it it what it results in is so many things for for so many people it's it's a it's a great story that continues to evolve and we keep we love telling it yeah, well, I know you do, and I, and I saw that when I saw you at Startup Canada Day on the Hill, where you won the award, uh, the pitch award, I, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, but, but I got call- to interrupt you. I'm sorry, Rivers. I got to correct. Oh, wait, which is I, it? You got to go? No, is this no, it? You're canceling the interview? No, I'll let you know okay. before when we when we leave. <laughs> okay. But, but uh, you'll hear the door slam. But when when we were at that, I said I made a terrible mistake. I said that this was based in the Amazon River. And <laughs> And, yeah. and that was such a lie, a, a totally unintentional. <laughs> it's the Zambezi River. So yeah. and the Amazon River is actually a lot farther away from Africa than than I than we know. So it's to- in, yeah. Well, yeah. Totally here's, here's what you don't know, Paul, is that it, it, when you said that, everybody in the audience was going to call you out on that. Yet, Every single one of us knew you were wrong when you and, said the Amazon nobody River. Nobody did, and I thought this is the politest audience in the world. They are, Isn't they? Aren't they? Aren't we only great? Only at Startup Canada. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. <laughs> One big yeah, hug. Yeah. 
Well, well, look, you talk about, uh, you know, the essence of, of the circle and you call your African bronze honey empowerment in a bottle. Um, can you kind of let, let's continue on that uh, that dialogue with that uh, the sense of the circle, everybody involved. And so when you say empowerment in a bottle, it really is. What does that mean? It means that by harvesting honey and putting it in a bottle for people to buy, it means that the people who live in the forest are empowered. They have uh, now the means to send their kids to school, um, to uh, mm. you know pay for a doctor or or, the, or go to the clinic, uh, to learn themselves how to read and write and you know carry on their business as a beekeeper. Yeah, one of the interesting things was when Dan Ball, a Zambian Canadian, he's the guy that started this project, still runs it today, and he has the 6,000. And sorry, uh, there's another lie. When we started, oh it was 6,000 beekeepers. This year, Dan tells us they've got about 10,000 beekeepers that they've trained and they've got they've got producing honey. So that's in, wow. in three and a half years. It's remarkable. Mm. So the empowerment in a bottle is is it works on a couple of levels. One of the things is that the honey itself in the comb, it's fantastic, but it's not marketable. And when Dan came to us, he said, look, we're processing it. We're taking it out of the comb and it's in bulk. We put it in big drums and we ship it to Europe and there's no value adding. If we could put it in a bottle, it'll make a huge difference. First of all, we will be able to have a retail product that will be on shelves and people will be able to see it. It's labeled as, as honey from Zambia. People will start to understand it and we want the ability to be able to tell the story about this because before the, the story was completely unknown. The honey was mixed with domestic honey. It, some of it was sold as African honey, but nobody knew about the real story behind it. So the, mm. that bottle itself is, is really that empowerment is in that bottle. The fact that it's value added and that has actually encouraged us to move on and create new products. And we work with Dan all, you know, talking all the time about what's the next thing? How do we value add these products? So it's 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 more than the fact that it just helps people there. It actually leads them on to other ideas and new 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 visions that they can have for what they can do. Do that? Does that uh, is as part of that? Is that what qualifies you for a B Corp certification? Because uh, that's what yeah. African Bronze Honey has. So, is is that what that means? Well, B Corp. It's funny when we heard about B Corp Benefit Corporations. It's it's mm -hmm. an American registration, but it's North American. It started in the U.S. and in Ben and Jerry's and uh, New Belgium Brewing. A number of, of of really cool companies are are benefit corporations. When we heard about it and we read about it, we said, "Wait a minute, we we're a B Corp. We like we do this stuff all the time." And it was for us. It it. It was actually an affirmation that the direction that we were going was a legitimate uh, and and laudable pursuit in business. It it really gave validation to the idea that that you can pursue things for goals other than just earning a return for for shareholders or investors. So mm. for us, the B Corp, um, I think it gave us 
uh, well, I hate that word, but, you know, it gave us the permission to really tell that story more forcefully and, and more frequently. And and now I think we identify with two two movements we identify very strongly with is the fair trade movement and, and that benefit, mm. sorry, and organic. That's three. My counting is off, you know, but so. Yeah. So the, it, but it, a lot of those things, they're wrapped up into the, into yeah. the B Corp certification. Um, right. It's, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's all about your employment practices, the the impact that your business makes um, to the environment, um, your supply chain. Uh, you know, the organic fits into that sustainability part. Yeah, I mean, it's and it, it actually works down to into very practical things. Do you recycle in your office? What do you do with do you use do you turn CFC the lights off when you when yeah. you you know, uh, well, yeah. you know where do you make your purchases who do you purchase from uh, when we find another B Corp the really cool thing about being a a, a B Corp is as soon as we find um, uh, another B Corp we we know we'll do business if we if there's some business we can transact we'll go ahead and do business with them sight unseen because we know that they mm. already have gone through the same process and they hold the same values of fairness and uh, and honesty and integrity so we it's 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 a really great system of of vetting uh, another party you already know that they're transparent and, and going to be great to work with and it's the kind of uh, the certification you have to uh, recertify every two years this is my next question so yeah when you're doing that you're everybody's always trying to get like a higher score. Right, right, right. So you you know you want to see did did, <laughs> yeah. did we improve? Are we making yeah. are we making a difference? Are we in the right direction, or are we being maybe you know little lax on yeah. this or that? So so it's it's a really good system to help you you know keep your eye on the ball going forward, and yeah. you know what your goal is. Very cool. Well, I, you know, I know, Paul, you're a, a comedian, so I'm going to say you mentioned about honesty and integrity, but you get a, now you have gone on the record nationally and saying that you've lied already twice just on in the first 10 minutes of this uh, podcast. So you so you probably only got one more chance left. And really? Then you'll no longer. <laughs> yeah. Before we did this interview, you said I could lie as much as I wanted. <laughs> Okay, on to the next question. I used to write a column for The Sun, and I would say, I would say, uh, none of the facts, but all of the truth. So, yeah, isn't that yeah. isn't that the truth? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, look, you're global entrepreneurs. You're not uh, in uh, in you know Ontario or uh, or in a small region. You really are global entrepreneurs. So, give us you know you've got entrepreneurs that are listening to this across the country. What advice do you have for for them who are seeking cross cultural opportunities to turn into uh, into startups? Mm. Well. Uh, hmm. first of all, I got to say you should have a great business model. It doesn't matter what you're doing, what your product is, but you've got to have a great business model. And, and that will include having a great product. And I, I, all of the, all of the normal things that are important in business are important in in having uh, you know a sustainable uh, social enterprise and I, I, I 
I think that one of the things about social enterprise is that people think, well, if we just go out and, and do something good for the world, people will buy it. And the reality is that 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 is a part of uh, this decision making when people purchase goods, but it is not what the primary motivation for people to to buy things or or access a service. So you still have to have a very rock solid understanding of sociology, of what makes people behave. Uh, you must understand sales. You have to have a good handle on accounting. You really need a lot of technical skills that can work with um, SEO and social media and all the digital platforms that you've got to be working on. Uh, you've got to you've got to make the look of whatever it is that you're selling an eye catching and eye appealing and something that I just want to pick it off the shelf right now, pick it up and look at it and touch it and take it home. So there are still all of those things still in in front of of any of the other considerations. However, yeah, that's that's very interesting because everything you just described there are the fundamentals of doing business, even in your own backyard. Yep, yep. That can how people think they how people think if they go to China or to Africa like you have that oh my god the rules are totally different with the foundational pieces and uh, well, they, beautiful what you just said they they are different because it's a a different um, you know it's a different backyard but. You got to know what that backyard is, so right, so you right, use all the right. same things to f to figure right. that out. Yeah, the, the the fundamentals of the, the the are the same, but the answers may be different. And when you ultimately yeah. go and figure that yeah. out, yeah, and, very very cool. And you also, I think there's the, there is a real compli complication that ends up when you go outside of your backyard is that you're working with people that have very different expectations and different ways of engaging and doing business, and they are across uh, international boundaries. And so you have uh, more complex legal issues. You have uh, very different cultural attributes that you've got to deal with. Um, it's, you know, the way people work in Canada is very, very different than the way people work in Zambia. And right you've got to accept that that is part of it and and uh, uh, accommodate that. Um, it, it's it's part of what you do so you you've got to accept uh and 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 and, and it, you know have that as part of your daily operation otherwise you're going to drive you crazy so I just finished reading the book uh, Shoe Dog, which is the Phil Knight story with Nike. If you haven't read oh, it, okay. I highly recommend it. And he talks of his business was built across many different cultures and countries and so on. And he talks about moments in his journey about where there's a situation because he didn't understand something that it almost took the feet out from underneath him and uh, ruined his company. Mm. Have you had situation, one situation that really stands out yeah. from him in your journey mm. that, that almost took your baby away from you? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was right <laughs> in the beginning. We we used to, we ordered twenty eight thousand bottles of honey on the first day of work. It, it was a big mistake. <laughs> Don't order twenty eight thousand bottles of honey, no matter what anybody says. Don't worry, you'll sell it easy, no problem. No, it ain't the truth. It ain't the truth. You think I lied? No. Uh, so so everybody will give you advice, and it's often very well-intentioned. And yeah. and the reality is today we, really interesting what you say, you know, about the, the issues, you have to keep going and resolving the issues. For instance, that 28,000 bottles of honey took us a long time to sell. We still have some, but we're ordering our next order. We're not ordering 28,000 bottles. We're ordering a, an array of different containers and other products to go along with it. And we're going to do some bottling here, and we're going to buy in smaller uh, consignments so that we can have more regular consignments as opposed to, let's put out $150,000 so we don't have that in our in our cash flow. So right. you, there are real standard things that you've got to work out. But one of the issues in this global business for us we're Zambia is halfway around the world. This honey comes out of a forest, so that just the complication of getting it from the forest to Dan, the processor in Lusaka. Most people have no idea where Lusaka is, but mm. then it has to come from Lusaka across the Namibian desert into the seaport of Windhoek, and then it has to get on a boat, a, a ship, and the container because honey doesn't like cold, so they have to put it in a warm storage near the engine of the freighter. And then they have to move or, it. Or ship it in July. Or ship it in July. Uh, well, <laughs> July in Canada, because it's always July in, in Namibia. But that, right. then it may go to England, and then it may go to Montreal, and it has to come off a truck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the, they're very complex issues, very costly issues. So it, it's taken us a long time to think through all of the logistics. And I think we should have done all of that before is plan ahead spend spend 2 years planning not 2 months uh, diving in sounds great but dive in when you know there's at least 10 feet of water you know yeah. and not 28,000 bottles of honey Wait, either way, you learn as you go, and you have yeah, to adapt for every step of the way because you can plan all you want. Things will not stay the same. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Nobody gets out of this uh, this journey without a few scars along the way, no matter how Ill, uh, misintended they are. So I love that. Uh, I love that 28,000 bottle story because you definitely have to reach you dog pigs. There's, there's a lot of similarities <laughs> between your journey and he he ordered like thousands of shoes yeah. and same, same sort of story. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, look, let's, let's, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about your deal with the uh, Whole Foods because that's a, that's, that's a big coup. They're a great organization. Awesome brand, uh, good good distribution. You know, tell us how did that all come about? Well, 
Okay, so I want to broaden this out into working with big companies because it started with Whole Foods and the whole Whole Foods thing started with one person within an organization. And okay. and big companies are truly that. They are mm-hmm. large and complex and Whole Foods is not any different than anyone else. The difference, I think, for us was we had somebody that we made contact with um, accidentally recently Really, in fact, we we tried it. We heard uh, on the radio about a new store opening in Ottawa, New Whole Foods, and they were looking for local vendors. And we said, "Oh yeah, well, our stuff is from Africa. We're local, so yeah, let's go." So we made the phone calls after this interview. Nobody got back to us, and then we looked this person up, Lisa Slater, and she was a store manager in Toronto. And we got a hold of her, and she said. Nobody got in touch with you yet? No, no, not yet. She said, if you don't hear from anybody in three days, call me back. <laughs> so we didn't hear anything for three days. And yeah. we phoned her back and she said, meet me in the hotel, downtown my hotel. Meet me in the coffee shop in the basement day after tomorrow. 7.30 in the morning. 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> so we went, wow, okay, we better be ready. So we got all our stuff and our banners and our posters and bottles of honey and all our stuff. And we wandered into the coffee bar and we sat and we, down. We didn't see anyone. We didn't we, see we, anybody. We, we waited for like 10 minutes. So, oh my goodness. And, th- and then it turns out that she was the smaller person sitting close to the, be- like she didn't look at all who we thought she was going to ah, be. Another lesson. She, another lesson. Yes, yes. Yes. So she came over and said, I mean, we had bottles of honey everywhere. I suppose you're the honey people. <laughs> said, yeah, we are. She said, good. And let's hear your story. Go. So we started into the story of 10,000 beekeepers in all of Africa and the wild bees. And she said, stop. And, <laughs> oh, and, my oh, goodness. God, like, here we are, the biggest deal, the Whole Foods markets. And they, but they don't even let us get through the elevator pitch. We're only, like, on the third floor. So she said, that's the best damn story I ever heard. You're in the store. So that was it. And it it went from there, and she basically said, "This is the kind of stuff that we love to celebrate, and we love to to help." And mm. she, we were introduced. We were at the opening at of the, the store. at the store opening. She she introduced us to uh, Walter Robb, who is the co CEO mm-hmm. of of Whole Foods, and nice. and. Um, we when we went down to um, the Natural Products Expo in in Anaheim, I don't know, five months later, he remembered us oh, and yeah. mm. and wanted to make sure that you know everybody was treating us well, um, you know. So we've had we it, it's been a great response. From and them. and because of that, his personal initiative, we had uh, the largest natural foods distributor walk up to us 15 minutes after he talked to us. He asked if we had a distributor. We said, no, we didn't. He said, oh, okay, fine. 15 minutes later, the people from UNFI, the vice president and the marketing people, they all show up and say, can we have your business cards? We'd be interested in carrying your products all nice. over North America. So, mm. which was, woohoo. Yeah. Let me tell you, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so we we started into the paperwork and then you require insurance and all the bonds and all this 
incredible amount of things and you have to deliver pallets to a certain time if it require if it if it arrives half an hour late you're going to be dinged a hundred dollars penalty if it's a day late it's five hundred dollars the on and on with rules and that you're still your stuff isn't even in the store so right. we realized that we had ahead of us if we were going to accept a proposal like that that could get us into 400 or so stores from Whole Foods and and not only that, other grocery chains, we had to be ready. And mm. and the reality was, Rivers, we we weren't ready. And right. so we didn't say no, but we we went into all the stores in Canada. Uh, the whole we're in all the Whole Food stores in in Eastern Canada, going into the ones out west. And we'll start this uh, spring to get into the some of them in the U.S. At, at a better speed because yeah. the reality is as great as these contracts sound you have to have deep pockets to get into it and and, and a big team and a big team and, right. a, and a trained team and we didn't and so a lot of social enterprise you know products don't have those budgets so you better figure out how you're going to market in these places because you do have to market people have to know what you're selling and uh, companies like whole foods will give you an awful lot of leeway but they still need support you need to do samplings sure. tastings etc so sure. be ready for that the um, there's a couple of things that come out of what you just said to me. The first one is a word of advice a friend of mine gave to me, and it really reflects that essence of of saying no, I can't do it now, but I can do this. And he, he used to always tell me, Rivers, sometimes you got to slow down yeah. to speed up, yeah. right? Slow down to speed up, and that's what you did. But the other thing you talked about, you got to have a great team, and you two are a great team for the little time that I've had the pleasure of getting to know you. Um, but talk about, uh, and I know you have family involved and so on, but I'm more interested in this answer about you two, because there's, you know, there's the proverbial, I could never, I, my wife and I could never do business together. She's lived with an entrepreneur, but uh, no way in the world could we ever do it. So how do you manage it? Do you manage that just because you know each other so well now, or is there a strategy behind working together and also, of course, having a personal relationship? How does that all? How does that all work? And what is your advice to other people that are, would go through the same process with a with a with a partner? Well, I would say that it's it's uh, not necessarily easy. It's not without conflict. Um, <laughs> right. But you, what you have to do is know what your strength is and know what your partner's strength is, and and trust that. Um, I'm just trying to stop my heart from pounding. I'm, I'm terrified that <laughs> I may some, say something <laughs> wrong here, and then I'm a dead man. Yeah. Well, you so, know, it's and exactly yeah. why I, I wasn't going to just let you off the hook and get away with that. Uh, <laughs> I, ha so I have a, a really good uh, – I think one of the things that we eventually – Eventually happens in any relationship, you just get tired of arguing and, and meaning not that you don't have good ideas, you do, but in the end, you have to get to solutions. So we actually, this, and this is something I think we figured out even in the last while is said, you can't say no, you have to yes. And in other words, if you don't want to, something to occur, you have to bring another solution. Mm. And we do that. We have everyone 
everyone do that. And because the reality is, we're both pretty strong people. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even begin to say who was smarter. Uh, I just know who lies more often. That's all. But <laughs> what well, we all do. Yeah. There you go. Good answer. Good answer. I'm going to save that one. So the reality is, you have to find ways, I guess, to to move the the discussion or the argument towards a solution, um, because in the end, you know, it isn't it isn't about personal. It can't be about personal. It's about Mm -hmm. business. The -hmm. personal part you bring to it is your personality and how you conduct, you know, yourself talking to people, you bring your personal passion to it. Um, but you, it it is, it is business. So try to bring those business solutions to it. And it, it, let me tell you, it makes life a whole heck of a lot easier when mm. when you're bringing solutions and not discussing about what we can't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the point about bring solutions is when, um, you know, whether it's a couple or a small team, yeah. you can't. You can't just say, oh, well, so-and-so will do it. You know, if you're in a big organization, there's a department for that. Well, we all do a bit of everything. So you have to, you have to step up to the plate and keep that ball moving forward. Well, and you seem to adopt the strategies that you look at. If you look after the company and keep its best interest at heart, then it will look after you. Exactly. Yeah, and I've got to say it's actually f- something we figured out in the last while, and it's it's something amazingly not amazingly, but Dan has actually taught us that. Dan kept his business going for fifteen years out of you know out of a forest, and he developed this simply based on that you know one step forward, one foot in front of the other, keep going, mm. logical, uh, stick to your knitting, do what you do best, don't spread yourself out too thin and we're now returning to that and and I think re uh reevaluating what we're doing and uh, refocusing really I think what we're doing. Um one of the things I wanted to add when we were talking about big business and and mm-hmm. and is that the the whole foods thing what was really neat for us is it gave us ability to to talk to to understand how to talk and work with larger companies um, right with startup canada one of the things that that came out of uh, winning this this uh, uh, a pitch award was was an introduction and uh, to uh, ups canada and I can say that, uh, you know, for us, we, uh, we've hit a, a home run again working with a, another great uh, large corporation in that um, we've, we've actually talked to them and they've talked to us a great deal about this original story. We go back mm. to that story about biodiversity, empowerment, um, and, and, and business and how those things can work together. And it's been it's been a really remarkable opportunity for us because we have now are able to grow up some of our uh, you know, those those social ideas uh, by working with bigger companies. In fact, we now ship everything because of UPS, we ship everything we move carbon neutral. And nice. yeah, and it, nice. it's it's because it fits in completely with what we do with with what our customers want, um, and so my, the point I'm making about that is there are organizations that share values and that they use it as 
that that part of your your message it's also part of their message they have the largest carbon neutral uh, fleet on the planet um, they have a, a huge engagement in that issue on their 430,000 staff worldwide so I, I'm not shilling for them as much as I'm trying to explain that as we we all, uh, we all have, uh, I think, concerns about working with large corporations, but I think there's an obligation on a social enterprise to engage everyone, uh, to engage yeah. all parties, because in the end, we are our message is to change the world. That's at, and I mean, for a better place. And right. so, working with people that share those values and helping enhance those values and spreading those values becomes part of your core business practice. And, Love it. And I, I think that that's what. The, that what really makes the cut the difference between a business and a social enterprise. Um, right. We're our our values are first, uh, but those values are are chased right behind with with doing business and and making a. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that uh, there seems to be very definitively a soul with what it is that you do. And uh, that's that's coming through loud and clear. And I have no problem with you shilling for uh, UPS. Uh, Paul Gaspar, who leads the team nationally with UPS, has just done a magnificent job of, of, of doing rather than just saying as the leader of UPS Small Business Group. So uh, yeah. so that's that's awesome to hear that. All right, we're heading into the uh, the home stretch with this great interview, and we're now going to quickly head a topic, and I, we've got about probably about three minutes left to really chat about this, and it's the 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 topic of entrepreneurs who are beginning the entrepreneur journey after they have had many chapters in their life doing other things. I hate the word old. I hate the word older. I hate the word senior. I just talk about it as that, and I'm 53. I got a lot of chapters behind my life too, so. It's what advice do you have for those entrepreneurs who have had many chapters in their life, not necessarily been an entrepreneur, but who want to start a business? Mm. Mm. Well, for, for us, I think uh, there was a lot of things that came together when, when Dan approached us and asked us to, to help market this honey uh, to North Americans. It you know, we loved Africa. We, we, we are, you know, big in storytelling. And it, what, what it did is it really brought together a whole bunch of the skills that we have. And, and it was an opportunity to use all of our skills all at once and do something that really meant something to us. We had that. Right we had that life experience in Africa too. So we lived there mm. for eight years, and in, in in Zimbabwe and and Southern Africa. So we, you know, all of the dots connected. Um, but your question, even more specifically, um, first of all, I don't get any senior discounts yet. So I'm, I'm, they keep moving it, don't they? But I will say I'm looking forward to them. So uh, I gotta, I gotta say that it really, it's all in your head, and yeah. and I mean that it, it's you. I I could not do now. Uh, I could not do what I'm doing now. Twenty years ago, 
Right. I was not as effective. I didn't understand things well enough. I didn't even understand myself well enough. Mm. Um, I don't think Liz and I were ready to work together. Oh, we did, but not in the same way we do now. So I, I think if you are ready, meaning you are prepared to actually take the massive amount of time, effort, and commitment that it takes, it doesn't matter what age you are. Bang on. I, I, however, uh, I think that you must be wear, uh, wary that if you haven't been in business before, you could lose money. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a serial entrepreneur, I've lost a lot of money. Yes, we've had lots uh. of successes, but when you get close to, oh, I think I might like to go to Costa Rica this year, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to lose the Costa Rica money in the cookie jar. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to really evaluate that and don't bite off more than you can actually handle. Um, you know, one of the reasons we've tackled this now is – you know, Rivers, we viewed this as opposed as a business or a social enterprise. We really took this on as we call it a legacy project, meaning right. it's not that we won't do other businesses or other things, but we realized that that we could fulfill a need. We could solve we actually could solve a problem with what our skill set uh, contained. And we we knew that we understood intimately the problem. And right. so our learning curve was much smaller. So ensure at whatever age you're doing it that you really have a grasp on what you're trying to achieve before you set out and try to achieve it. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. It uh, it touches a very uh, um, uh, issue near and dear to my heart. I hate segmenting entrepreneurs because we really are all within the same spirit, all trying to achieve great things, not only for ourselves and for our communities. And so the fact that we, we want to sometimes segment into young, into Aboriginal, into you know seniors and so on just drives me nuts because it then starts to have us operating separately as a group rather than collectively as a group. Yeah. Well, the reality is too, is we listen uh, amazingly. Like uh, we get a ton of really good information from the millennials. I mean, Liz and I are boomers, but the, mm. the, the information we get from them is, is v extremely valuable at the right. same time. I think the guidance and the knowledge and the, the I, I guess the roads that we've traveled, uh, we can bring a lot of, uh, avoidance of problems to situations for you know some of the mm. younger members that we work with and it's so I, I think there are recognizing the values in each and putting them together is 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 a really a key for success. Wow. What a great way to end it. This has been just a great journey as it was when I originally had the pleasure of meeting you two. You continue to do to be rock stars and, uh, and uh, be Liz and Paul and keep doing your magic. And uh, we look forward to watching you and, and having you back on the show again to get the next update. Thank you so much for being on the Startup Canada podcast today. Thanks, Thanks Rivers. Rivers. Good to talk to you again. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. 
Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. But the question I have for you, uh, amongst that membership, are there any organizations that you say, okay, and maybe two, I like to, because I'm sure there's lots, two must-watch organizations that are really making an impact on the crowdfunding um, on the crowdfunding scene. Well, of all our members, we're, we're really agnostic. We can't go out and say one is, is making more of an impact than another. But what we can say is we have a tremendous amount of information, including all of the Canadian portals that our members listed on our website. There's a page there called the Canadian Crowdfunding Directory. We try to do our best to maintain that. And that is really a go-to page. I think it's one of the more popular pages at the association's website. And then you click through to the website directly and, and click on all the How It Works button. Every, every funding portal uh, somehow has a How It Works button because they may do things a little bit differently because depending on their model, their community, and the kind of vertical or industry focus they have, there could be a variance. But, you know, we, we, we really, I hope you can appreciate, we can't say uh, one is doing something uh, over another. I would say that in, in order to to grow the industry, though, and overcome some of the, 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 the obstacles, what we really need to do here in Canada to compete and be recognized as a global sort of at the forefront of crowdfunding innovation is we, we have to streamline the regulations and, and really Canada's without a national securities regulator, similar to what they have in the U.S. So if you have to comply with a, a varying set of provincial rules, it makes it a little bit more challenging. So I think on the regulatory front, they have to do their best to harmonize those regs. And they have to recognize that these are often startups that are looking for, for capital. So the cost of compliance and the cost to operate a, a portal business needs to be realistic so we can form the kind of infrastructure we need to get more positive transactions to get more capital into the markets and help the companies get get started get to get on the first rung of the router and then we can all through the ecosystem boost them up on our shoulders into the, you know into the the hopefully i think of it like finding nemo into the into the waters and and hopefully survive or, or get lost terribly right <laughs> yeah well, and I do respect your answer, my friend. Um, I might not like it, but I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> it's kind of, it's you know, when, 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 as you're saying it, as, as I'm asking you that question, it's kind of like asking, do you have children, by the way? I, I do have children, yeah. yeah. Which one do you like better, right? Yeah, which one do you like better? And my standard answer would be the one that I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs>